0: Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. Why is gambling prohibited in Islam? Material gain and the accumulation of a large amount of wealth is not something that Islam encourages. Having money should not be a purpose. It should rather be treated as a means to be used to achieve higher spiritual objectives. Gambling makes one obsessed with money and encourages greed, so that one becomes engrossed within his constant desire to increase his wealth which goes against the spirit of Islam.
1: The protector, the one who guards all from danger, he sends down the angels with revelation by his command, on whomsoever of his servants he pleases, saying, warn people, that there is no God but I, so take me alone for your
2: protector.
0: Muhammad, the seal of the prophets, the final law-bearing prophet of God, whose advent was prophesied by earlier prophets of God, a claim made by millions of Muslims across the globe. But how true is this statement? Was this coming truly foreseen by prophets in the biblical scripture? What does the Bible say regarding the advent of the greatest prophet of God? Read Muhammad in the Bible, Bahazrat Miz Abashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad, the second successor of the promised Messiah. Muhammad.
3: I firmly believe that if we truly wish to protect our world and to ensure we leave behind a legacy of uh, opportunity for those who follow us. It is essential that every effort is made to raise the standards of the developing world. Poor nations must not be looked down upon. Rather, we should consider them as part of our family, our brothers and sisters.
0: Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. Why does Islam propose a segregation of the sexes? The Segregation of the sexes is meant to prevent the problems that are faced in society as a result of free intermixing between the sexes. So segregation of the sexes is prescribed so that the situations which cannot be controlled afterwards are not allowed to develop in the first place. In this way, erosion of moral values can be prevented and society is safeguarded from problems such as adultery, teenage pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases. This teaching is based on the fact that Islam recognises that prevention is better than cure.
2: Belief in God with his powers is the foremost essential condition of our movement. You should inculcate this belief in your hearts, giving to its implications and requirements, which is the first and topmost priority over all considerations of self, over its comforts and relationships. By means of actions in the field of your daily life, with unflinching courage, you should show a steadfast loyalty in his way. Others in this world do not give him preference over material means and the support they hope to get form their friends and relations. But do you give him the utmost priority so that in heaven you should come to be reckoned as his people? For you, another very essential teaching is that you do not leave the Holy Qur'an like a book that has been forsaken, since therein lies your life. Those who honour this holy book shall be honoured in heaven. Those who will hold the Holy Qur'an superior to every tradition and every saying shall be given preference in heaven. For mankind spread over the surface of the earth now, there is no book except the Holy Qur'an. For the sons of man, there is no messenger and mediator except Muhammad. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So strive and cherish the purest love for this prophet of power and glory giving no one else any kind of preference over him, so that you may be put down in heaven as those who have been saved. The root of everything good is taqwa. In whatever action this root is upheld, that action will never be devoid or futile. It is necessary too that you be tried by being thrown into diverse griefs and distresses as those before you were tried. Therefore be forewarned, lest you stumble when the time comes. The earth, with everything in it, can inflict no injury on you, provided your contact with heaven is firm. Whenever an injury comes to you, it will only come from your own hands. If all honour on this earth is lost to you, God will give you an honour in heaven that shall never wane. Therefore do not leave him, whatever you may have to go through. You are bound to be persecuted in diverse ways, and many of your hopes will be denied to you, but in such cases you should not grieve, For the Lord your God shall take you through trials to test whether or not you remain firm.
4: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
5: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the of the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday the 19th of October 2022. And uh, some interesting topics that we have in line uh, for you uh, for this uh, for this morning. Very very interesting topics uh, as well. Um, firstly, if you're familiar with the with the setup of the breakfast show, I'm sure that you would be anyway. But normally, what we do is that we in the beginning of the show we talk about the news, we talk about the weather, and uh, what's going on around the world, uh, prevalent uh, news stories uh, as well. And then after that, we get into our main segments. Today, we have three main segments in line for you this morning. Firstly, we're going to be speaking about this this crisis, this crisis of food waste. Um, So how we can fight against this this crisis, uh, food waste, um, and different things which are related to this as well. How we can not just, you know, sort of uh, not waste food the opposite of that as well how can we utilize food to the best of our uh, you know to to its full potential as well how can we make sure that the food that we have is the food you know we use that food in some sort of way in, in 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 some sort of form or another as well um but obviously you know food waste is a is a very big topic and uh you know you'd be surprised if we go in we'll go into some details uh, as well a little bit later on when we actually go into this uh this segment this topic but uh it, it is if we go into if we go into some statistics it uh, quite, can be quite alarming as well um so we have some some guests that we will uh, hopefully speak to as well um the, after that, we're going to be talking about uh, getting out of um trying to get out of your comfort zone to spread positivity. A lot of the times, what we tend to do is that we stay in our stay in our bubbles, we stay in our comfort zones. and we stay in those comfort zones because we're happy there. we're We're content there. And we don't really want to we don't really like change. We don't really want to change our habits our our routines our you know our you know we don't really get it want to get out of our comfort zones but sometimes if we actually do that if we make that extra effort it can it can sort of um you know be be harmonious it can create peace it, sometimes what happens is is that when we when we go out of our comfort zone sometimes you know you you get into an argument with someone and clearly clearly the other person is is in fault but you be the bigger person you say you know okay fine uh, i will take the blame i will you know I'll, I'll take it upon myself and uh you know that takes a lot of courage as well that is getting out of your comfort zone if you get out of your comfort zone in that sense you know the other person would actually realize that you know it was actually my fault more but this person is taking the blame this person this person is taking the hair he's taking it on the chin uh, even though it wasn't even his fault, so that can actually you know it can put something into that person's mind, and it can you know sort of resolve issues as well. So it, it is an interesting topic, and we're going to be speaking a little bit more about this later on as well. Towards the latter part of the show, we're going to be speaking about uh, vocabulary and how improving one's vocabulary. Um, oh, I mean, if if you do that by you know you can do that by exposing yourself to foreign accents as well. Um, You know, sometimes, just just speaking about English in particular, but this can go on for, I mean, I can speak about this for other languages as well. That is that, you know, English is a mixture of different languages, uh, German, French, and, you know, sometimes we see that some languages, you know, those languages or those countries which are in close proximity to each other, they have similar similar words for different pha- for you know similar phrases as well, um, you know. But also, we see that uh, if we you know if we talk about other languages, they are also quite linked, quite intertwined. And some things which are in one particular language that can be the same thing for another language as well. So these things are are quite interesting, and these are the three topics that we are going to be going into. Very very interesting topics that we're going to be speaking about as well of course it's an interactive show if you want to uh, get in touch with us if you want to call us the lines are open 0208 687 7878 is the number for you to call you can also uh, tweet us at voice of islam uk or uh, give us any messages or shoot us up on uh, on uh, on uh, instagram which is also voice of islam uk our handle do make sure you get in touch with us as well. We're going to be taking a very short break, and right after that, we are going to be going into our news segments and, of course, talking about the news. Don't go anywhere, grab yourself a cup of coffee, some breakfast. We'll be back in just a bit.
6: Allah. Allah.
4: Listening to the voice of Islam radio broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. He
7: claimed to be that lost one awaited by all major fates of the world. He claimed to be that Krishna that Hindus were waiting so long for. He claimed to be that Buddha about whose coming the previous Buddha. Had prophesied. He was that Jesus Son of Mary, awaited by both Christians and Muslims alike. He said he was the great reformer, predicted by Guru Nanak, as well as the second coming of Zoroaster. He said that his mission was to bring all mankind to the realization that there is a God. He sought to bring about revolutions inside people so that they would fulfill the rights of each other as well as fulfill the rights of God. Now, just who was he? He was the Messiah of mankind, Mirza Valam Ahmed of Qadiyan, and he was not a liar. 1400 years ago, the holy prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of God be upon him, claimed that the promised messiah of all faiths would appear to the east of damascus it is recorded in writing that around 100 years ago this messiah sitting in an unknown undeveloped indian village which lay on the same latitude to the east of damascus no less received the following revelation in the arabic language "Bala meaning destruction in damascus He prophesied the first and second world wars, and he also predicted that a great war would start from here. It is no secret that the Syrian civil war is the biggest crisis of our time. A conservative estimate states that over half of a million people have been killed since the Syrian civil war started in 2011, however, the number is sure to be significantly higher. Similarly, it is estimated that 11 million Syrians have fled the country since the war began. The pre-war population has been estimated to be 22 million. With different factions on the ground, including American, Russian, and Syrian government troops, Syrian rebels, and ISIS, this has become an international arena of death, a de facto playground for world war. Although world war and the crisis in Syria are signs of his truthfulness, the promised messiah abhorred bloodshed and violence and instead claimed that he had come to end religious wars. He said that he loved mankind with the same love that a mother loves her child, nay, even more so. What mother would not sacrifice her own peace and well-being for the sake of her child? So one can only imagine how much the promised messiah loved mankind. An expression of his love are his timeless words which he desired to be a means of salvation for those he loved, that is, all of humanity. It is a fire, but all those shall be saved from that fire who love God, the doer of wonders.
3: I firmly believe that if we truly wish to protect our world and to ensure we leave behind a legacy of uh, opportunity for those who follow us. It is essential that every effort is made to raise the standards of the developing world. Poor nations must not be looked down upon, rather we should consider them as part of our family, our brothers and sisters. What is peace?
8: Is it the simplicities in life or something exquisite? To some it is vague, to some explicit. To wake in a world wishing peace would just visit. A deafening society wishing someone would just listen.
3: Is it higher power that will bring this world new navigation? Or is it acts of kindness that will refresh our imagination?
4: I see powerless minds in search for reconciliation, who vote for justified masterminds who need no persuasion.
2: Freedom of speech may be a thing of the past.
9: Society
8: pressures have us thinking,
2: Why we even ask?
1: We've been silenced because of the colour of our skin. We've begun to believe that believing in God is a sin.
10: What is peace? We ask today.
4: A way of life?
10: A feeling?
4: Long way away?
10: Who have we wronged to deserve this rubble? Who did we question? Who gave us this trouble?
1: We have no shelter, we have no peace. With the one thing we had, it brought us to streets.
10: Caught in selfish acts, money, power and greed. Who needs food when we no longer have children to feed? Where is the justice? Where is our say?
6: Peace is what we ask for, yet there is more blood to pay.
2: A new term in power? A video game for the fearless kind? A new six-figure salary? Who has a new house in mind?
10: We are asked today, what is that you preach? Please look in our eyes. No need to question beliefs.
8: You fear one religious mind could change the world?
10: Fearless in thinking one bomb and problem solved? Please justify the injustice, stand up from your seat. We are not asking for much, we just ask justice for peace.
0: Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. Why does Islam propose a segregation of the sexes? The segregation of the sexes is meant to prevent the problems that are faced in society as a result of free intermixing between the sexes. So segregation of the sexes is prescribed so that the situations which cannot be controlled afterwards are not allowed to develop in the first place. In this way, erosion of moral values can be prevented and society is safeguarded from problems such as adultery, teenage pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases. This teaching is based on the fact that Islam recognizes that prevention is better than cure.
11: شهاد وال...
4: Listening to the Voice
6: of Islam Radio.
4: You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
5: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all welcome to another uh, or welcome back to the breakfast show here on the voice of Islam radio. Um talking about uh, what's happening uh, what's happening in the news um, or before we actually get into get into the news as well the you know the weather the weather is uh, you know it is um you know so, some days some days you can some days it's it's all right some days mm. it's it's not it's not too bad mm-hmm. but then but then you just get the you know you just get the cold mornings and the cold nights as well yeah um and then you're you're forced to you're forced to um put your uh, you're forced to um you know put the, either put the heating on or you know wear you know wear hot clothes uh, as well you know wear jumpers and uh, all of that um, even even if you're indoors mm. but uh, you know we see that the weather is uh, is, is changing drastically mm. um, and uh, so we can see that it's shifting a little bit forwards as well um, yeah. where you know where the summer used to be June July now it's a little bit July August. And then you know moving into september october um you know uh, the 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 fall the the autumn season, and then the winter, normally the winter you would expect it to be you know freezing or really cold mm. uh, or the coldest in the year uh, Jan, uh you know December and january, but at the mo- you know as the seasons are sort of you know as i mentioned they the sort of going forward it's sort of february even february is really cold mm. march sometimes mm-hmm. we get we get snow in march as well i remember yeah. a couple of years ago we got really really thick snow mm. uh, here, you know here in here in here in the uk in march and even in april i've seen mm. i've seen snow but you know years ago you know many many decades ago you know march <coughs> april that would have been proper yeah. really you know spring season but you know it's it's, it's, it's it's moving forward. But that's the weather for that's the weather for um, you know th- that's how the weather is looking as well. The forecast, what the forecast is saying for um, for tomorrow and the day after onto the weekend, is that is predicting is predicting rain. So it's uh, I mean I talk specifically talking about here in London, it's going to be it's going to be quite drizzly and temperatures will be as high as nineteen. And low as uh, as 12 degrees, as well. So that's the you know that's what the weather is looking like. The forecast is what you know what the forecast is uh, predicting. Um, inflation rates. Uh, the rate of inflation has mm. rose to 10.1 percent in uh, <clears throat> in September, according to official figures. As the economy reels from the effects of rising prices, and the fallout from the from the mini budget. Now, the Office for National Statistics, the ONS, said that Consumer, prices, uh, the consumer price, uh, prices Index, the CPI, measure rose from an annual rate of 9.9% in August to match the recent 40-year high seen in July. And the report shows the largest upwards contribution came from food costs, while few provided the greatest downside pressure. I mean, even even before, mm. if, if you were mentioning before as well that the fuel prices have gone down to what it was a couple of a uh, couple of months ago. But if you look at this, you know the the fuel prices which are there right now, uh, one fifty
8: is I think uh, it's gone up it's, by one piece, it? has gone up it? by like one piece, gone yeah. to one six sixty point nine or one sixty
5: one yeah
8: it's it's gone up it's gone up a
5: little bit mm. um, but if you look at this price and if you compare that to a couple of years ago that you know that would be quite expensive
6: mm.
5: but the data was revealed against a backdrop of turmoil partly a result of the effect caused by Russian the w- Russians war in Ukraine and the Western sanctions imposed in responses as well Um now there there are there are now just twelve days left for the new chancellor Jeremy Hunt to find ways to gain e- economic confidence and a plug for Britain's funding gap before the thirty <coughs> first of uh, October, medium term fiscal plan and uh, analysis of the situation from the Office of Budget uh, Responsibility, the OBR. Now these uh, this you know everyone. Or most people especially the working class have definitely been uh, been affected uh, by this as well now we can we can see that we can feel that and it's uh it's put us all in a in a very in a very sort of uh, very difficult uh, very difficult question um the uh, you know the front pages of the of the of the newspapers of today let's look at you know let's look at a few of them as well the the times, Post a new chancellor, Jeremy Hunt is preparing to delay Boris Johnson's social care reform, and has been warned his uh, sending cuts may have to be tougher, even than George uh, Osborne's era of austerity. Uh, this is what the Times res, uh, reports, and it says that uh, the cap on the some uh, the cut on uh, the cap on the some people. Uh, pay for 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 care in old age is set to be put back by a year or more as well. And s- similar, what uh, the I newspaper has reported as all well. the prime minister is dropping her promise to raise state pensions in line with soaring inflation, sparking new clashes with angry Tory MPs as distrust faces fresh peril. Uh, that's what the I is uh, is reporting. Uh, the Daily, the Daily Telegraph reports pensions uh, may increase in line with earnings instead of inflation next year after Liz Trust uh, uh, on her commitment to the triple lock. As number 10 said, that the promise in the 2019 Tory election manifesto could be abandoned, and it's sad, that's sad to see. I mean, that that mm. is something that always happens. Um, we see that manifestos do sometimes it's just it's just there to get the to you know to, to get people to vote for them but then you know when, when they are in power <coughs> then they sort of uh, forget about these promises and these uh, you know
8: these um, and you know um, a lot of Tory MPs yeah. are now um, like voting or saying that Liz Trust should go as well hmm. and you know oh, you can only suffer so much loss before you realize it's not like the one person in charge, hmm. but maybe there's something wrong with the system. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Maybe there's something wrong with the Conservative Party. Right? Maybe it's time to change party instead of just picking different leaders from the same party. Yeah. Or just find a reform in the system for the betterment of the country and its people. Exactly. Hmm.
5: Exactly. And there are, di- there, you know, different things which come about as well. Uh, which you know, which lead to this uh, sort of scenario, and also, you know, would actually, which actually force us to tell us that you know, is there actually something wrong with the actual party? But then you see that a lot of people, when the election comes, a lot of people vote for them as well. Um, last lo- last election, um, I remember, you know, the the, the Tories they won by you know by by a landslide they they, they won by by miles you can say hmm. and uh, you know the you know the next who were in line the 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 labor party they weren't even close they weren't even close but right, the you know the the statistics you know which project you know if the election was to happen now it says that you know labor is wi- labor is winning hmm. uh, and it's got a lead as well lead off about 20, 20 seats something like that I think that was last week mm. um, but sometimes you know we, we need to understand what's actually better for the country just like you said what is better for, better for the country is this party actually going to be good for for us you know in, in fine in the long run but in the short term as well uh, but obviously of course you know we should look forward and if it's good for the long run fine but then we see that if promises are broken if all these um things which you know which which the party actually says that they were going to do their to-do list their manifesto and if they don't do that if they don't do the main things that they said that they were going to do and that always happens you know sometimes it's uh you know we must think that you know maybe it's time to um you know move you know go into go into uh maybe vote for a different party as well but let's see let's see hopefully hopefully it does uh, does plan out and let's see uh, what actually happens as well um, we're going to be moving on to our our first um, our first uh, topic for this morning and as I mentioned it's going to be you know very interesting topics uh, all three topics that we have in line for you this uh, this morning uh, are very very interesting firstly we are speaking about food waste as I mentioned as well and uh, every year. Uh, in October on October 16th uh, FAO raises awareness FAO raises awareness about uh, hunger and food insecurity around the world approximately a third of the food grown each year is wasted and never ends up on your plate as you know I mentioned before that if we go into some statistics it is quite quite interesting as well and it's quite alarming sometimes we we can find the we can find the uh you know the statistics to be as i mentioned approximately a third of the food grown each year is wasted and never and never ends up on your plate nearly one in 3 people in the world or 2.37 billion did not have did not have access to adequate food in 2020 enough food is produced today to feed everyone on earth we we've got enough food mm. um Sometimes it's just about distribution. Sometimes it's just about getting that food um, to where it uh, to where it should be. You know, one one in three people in the whole world, right, in 2020, uh, did not have access to adequate food. So this actually tells us, um, you know, what are what are we actually doing practically to make sure that the food is actually you know distributed uh, distributed properly. We've got our first guest, uh, who sheds some uh, some light on this as well. Lucy Anto, who's the senior project manager at uh, at Feedback. Um, peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good
12: morning. Thank you very much for having me
5: on. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, to begin with, can you please tell us uh, about about Feedback, or what it sort of aims to do? Is, uh, aims and objectives, and what you, you sort of hope to achieve.
12: Sure. Okay. Well, Feedback is a a campaigning charity and we work on a number of different issues that focus on food that should be fair for people and planet. And we have um, a range of different projects and campaigns that run at any one time. I'm based in the northwest of England and my team is called Alchemic Kitchen. And we work particularly with communities who are Uh, living with food insecurity and also other sort of food injustices that are going on around them, around access. And one of the things that, um, well, several of the things that Feedback tries to do is we try to be audacious, as in we speak truth to power, we're quite happy Mm -hmm. to get out there and and sort of like say something to the people who are in charge. We, We were marching in the Good Food March on Saturday in London, um, we we look at our impact, um, and part of that impact is around making sure that we are not speaking without permission of the communities that we work with. So it's very important for us to hear communities' voices and to understand what it is that they want, rather than us telling them what they should want. Mm. We believe in collaboration, so we work in lots of different ways with different organisations to, so, for the one goal of trying to improve you know, food access, food justice and all those other areas. We very much believe in solidarity, but most importantly as well, we also believe in celebration. So food mm. is a marvellous thing and we like to celebrate it where we can.
5: Wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, you know, there's a few different objectives which uh, which you guys are doing, some great work as well. What, what does the food system need um, for it to be sort of changed as well? How can we sort of improve the, the actual food system?
12: Well... I think we we've we've ended up in a situation where something like nine nine global operators basically own all the food companies in the world which mm. is is a bit scary and we saw during the pandemic and and the covid lockdowns just how easy it was for supply chains to break down and that's partly because we've got a very centralized model um it's it's quite often referred to as the just in time model which is where food gets brought into retailers every couple of days and they don't actually have storage anymore because they've they've created hypermarkets with more floor space to sell things and and not Mm. enough money sorry not enough storage to actually keep things more than a couple of days so we've got the issue around that centralized model not really working we've also got the problem of everything got bigger and bigger and that squeezed out a lot of the smaller retailers and the smaller shops, which if you have a car um, or you have good public access um, to transport, then that 's not such a problem, but if you 're somebody who 's living on in a, on an estate at the edge of edge of the suburbs and there 's no shop anywhere near you because it 's closed down because the supermarket opened up three miles away, hmm. three miles is a, a long way to walk if you 're elderly or you 're you're, you're a mum with a pam you know all that kind of thing so that that creates the problem and then finally, the other issue that we have to look at is this this sort of um, commoditization of everything. And everything always being focused on shareholder profit. So you've got to ask the question, when food is super cheap, mm. who is in fact paying for that? It's usually the producers, the farmers, the people who are stuck in your supermarket shelves. And that's not fair. Mm.
5: Yeah, I mean, it is it is a difficult it is a difficult situation as well. But what can we do then? What can the what can the public do to actually tackle this uh, this, well, this waste?
12: Well, obviously we've got we've got issues. That I heard you mentioning before about redistribution and mm-hmm. and the fact that we have got sort of you know ridiculous surpluses, but it's all in the wrong place. So um, I think part of it is we have to be conscientious as consumers and we need to think about what we're buying and when we're buying it and where we're buying it from. Um, if you are lucky enough to have a market anywhere near you with smaller stallholders where you can buy your fruit and vegetables or you can go to your to a butcher or a fishmonger do try and support that as much as possible if you are reduced only to using the supermarket because of access or because of the fact that that's the only thing that's around you then again think carefully about what you're purchasing maybe ask questions what's happening to this why why is this happening like that and do something within your own home to make sure that you're not wasting food I mean there was a a brilliant uh, sort of documentary a couple of years back, which traced the journey of a pepper, and it it mm-hmm. sort of went from a seed in the soil to growing and then all its transportation. And you really got to see the energy, the the water, the commitment, the management of the grower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and then it just ends up in a in a, in a fridge and rotting, and it's like that's such a waste of so many you know, key points to get to that point and you've just wasted that and you've thrown it in the bin because you didn't use it. Mm-hmm. So I suppose one of the things I would ask everybody to do is, is really think carefully about their food mm-hmm. consumption and what they can do to ensure that they're putting less and less of it in the bin and more and more in their tummies.
5: Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, there are different, uh, I mean, things, isn't it? I mean, if we we, if we, if we actually realise how much uh you know how much food is actually being wasted and how much we can actually prevent that by by yeah. doing small things that can make absolutely. a big difference isn't it
12: absolutely well i mean i was I, I i i always quote some of the statistics from rap who who sort of measure household food waste in in the uk hmm. and they always shock me because uh, one of the most wasted foods is chicken and you just think wow. that's mad it's protein yeah. it's you know and Literally. potatoes as well and you know it's just yeah it, 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 is, it is worrying I mean it's things like you know salad packs yes they seem like they're a good idea because they're ready washed and they're in a plastic bag and they're ready for you to use but I mean let's face it how often do you buy a bag of salad and then let it sit and, and become green slime in the bottom of the fridge mm. you're much better off buying a whole lettuce and washing it and using it it, it, it will last longer so it's, yeah. it's maybe about changing your habits a bit as well
6: Yeah,
5: yeah, literally, literally, just small things that can make a big, uh, that can make a big difference.
12: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
5: Lucy, it's been a pleasure speaking to you this, uh, this morning. Thank you so much and good luck with all the initiatives and the, you know, the projects that you have in line as well. Some good work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you for
12: having me. Thank you. And to you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
5: That was uh, Lucianto who's a senior project manager at uh, at Feedback. Very, very interesting uh, speaking to her. Um, there are other, you know, there are other uh, apps and uh, you know the applications or other websites that we can actually visit, and uh, by visiting those with web- those websites, we can actually, you know, uh, I mean, they are specifically there to actually make sure that the food. Which is produced or food which is on the market it it gets circulated and we'll speak to we'll speak to someone very soon as well um who's actually who's actually made an app that connects people with their local community as well and we'll give some you know give a little bit more information in regards to that when they when they actually come on now in the uk rap or wrAP reports that one in ten people have problems eating. There are 7 million people who are affected by the increase in the cost of living or who have limited access to nutritious food. Companies like like, uh, like Fair Share are addressing this national problem by distributing surplus food from the industry to the charities and also food banks. Addressing two main problems, food waste and also food insecurity. Let's speak to our next guest, Tessa Clark, who's a co-founder and CEO of uh, Olio, which is an app that, as I mentioned, uh, connects people with their local community so that they can give away surplus food and other household items as well. And over 6 million people have actually joined Olio. And uh, together, they shared 66 million portions of food and 6 million household items and many more things as well. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Tessa.
9: Good morning.
5: Thank you so much for joining us. I believe we've spoken to you before uh, uh, some other show, haven't you? Haven't we?
13: Yes, we have.
5: Yes. I mean, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you again and uh, I mean, it's a, some good work that you guys are doing. That's why um, it's an interesting and it's a very, very um, important topic as well. So we must, uh, you know, give it uh, that attention as well and raise awareness. I mean, to begin with, um What is Olio and uh, what does it sort of aim to do?
9: So Olio is a community-based app that exists to tackle the enormous problem of food waste, Mm. uh, but also waste more generally in our homes and local communities. And how we do that is by connecting people to their local community so that if you've got surplus food Mm. or surplus other household items, you can just snap a photo of them and add them to the Olio app. People living nearby get an alert, they can browse the listings, request what they want, and pop round and pick it up. So Olio is all about sharing and community.
5: Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. So what sort of uh, inspired you to to create this app?
9: So Olio came about as a result of an experience I had seven and a half years ago now. Mm. So I was living and working overseas and moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men told me that I had to throw away all of our uneaten food now mm. i'm a farmer's daughter uh, mm. from a, a sort of long line of uh, farmers and so i know from first-hand experience mm. just how much hard work goes into producing food so i have a pathological hatred of food waste so when mm. they told me to throw this food in the way in the bin i thought no way i'm not doing that so instead i bundled up my newborn baby and my toddler and i set out onto the streets with this food hoping to find someone to give it to mm. and to cut a long story short, I failed miserably. The person I was hoping to give the food to wasn't in her spot uh, that day. So I went back right. to my apartment feeling very despondent. Uh, and when the uh, removal men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable foods into the bottom of my packing boxes. Mm. And I can remember that moment so vividly in my kitchen thinking that I was probably performing a criminal offence right now. But to me, it felt even more criminal put perfectly good food in the bin when I knew there was someone, you know, probably within 100 metres of me who would like this food. The problem is they just didn't know about it. Mm. And that was when I had the idea of an app. I knew there was an app for absolutely everything. And I couldn't believe there wasn't a simple app where I could just advertise my spare food to my neighbours and whoever wanted it could request it and, and pop round and pick it up.
5: Mm. So wh- how did you come about with the, with its name then?
9: <laughs> so Olio means a miscellaneous collection of things or a hodgepodge of things which if you look at the Olio app that mm. is what you'll see there's a, a very very um diverse and broad array of different broad array of different things mm. on there we also chose the word Olio because we think it sounds you know it's a lovely word it sounds okay. really beautiful and we liked the two o's on either end of it because we felt that they very much symbolized sharing the circular economy community the planet um, and that's what we're all about
5: that's wonderful that's wonderful now talking about food waste uh, you know as a problem w- yes. why is it such a big problem anyway
9: well <laughs> great question so first of all it's helpful to understand in a country such as the UK where does food waste even take place so in the UK <clears throat> we throw away just over a third of all the food um, mm. in this country and wow. Half of all of that food waste. So the biggest section of uh, food waste in the UK takes place in our homes, and that's mm. a real shock to most people because most people assume it must be the supermarkets, yeah. and that couldn't be further from the truth. So retail stores are just two percent of all food waste. You've then got sort of hospitality and leisure and this sort of eating out sector. Yeah. That's eight percent of all food waste. So kind of retail and stores and in eating out is. is together 10 percent we in our homes are 50 percent and then the remainder is split across sort of the supply chains and manufacturing and distribution and then roughly a third of all food waste takes place um, on the farm gates before the food even comes anywhere near us Mm. so the reason why in our homes that we are um, half the problem just some sort of mind-boggling numbers first so uh, in our homes we throw away 14 billion pounds sterling of perfectly good food every single year that's and 14 that's
5: billion 14
9: billion even. yes wow. and that's because um, a typical british uh, household throws away roughly 20% of the weekly shop so that's 730 pounds mm. worth of perfectly good food that a typical family is throwing away um, every year and so this is why our message is really really strong to everybody to encourage them to share their spare Um, At the moment, they realize that uh, they're not going to eat it or want it to give it away because the reality is we have more than enough food in this country, Mm. and yet at the moment, there are millions and millions of households that are struggling. People are going hungry. Mm. Um, So, and you know, why you might kind of say, why do people throw away so much food in their homes? Yeah. And for us, the key there's lots of reasons um, to do with our. Busy modern lives. We end up working late or we can't be bothered to cook, so we eat in or we go out or we over cater for a party or we go on a diet or we go away or we go on holiday or we receive unwanted food gifts or we just get carried away shopping in a the supermarket. Yeah. There are lots of reasons why we have too much food in our home. And that isn't a problem. It only becomes a problem when a surplus of food becomes waste, when we throw that surplus of food away and our core um, sort of you know insight i guess if you like is first of all no one enjoys throwing away food we have evolved as a species to hate throwing away food because food is literally our life source mm. we die without food it really is as straightforward as that so instinctively we don't like throwing away our food but the reason why we do it is because today we are no longer connected to our local community we no longer have anyone to give our food to. Mm. And that's what Olio aims to do. We aim to reconnect you with your local community in a way that's really simple, it's really safe and really fun, so that you do have someone to give your spare food to. Now, some people, often we hear this, people say, oh, well, no one will want what I've got. And we we call it sort of the middle class problem. People say, oh, no one will want, (laughs) you know, a head of broccoli or two out of date tins of soup or three lemons, um, but the reality is there's no shortage of people who want uh, that food. And half of all the food added to the app is requested in less than 25 minutes. So wow. our sort of big plea to absolutely everybody is to take the 10 seconds, and that's all it takes to add your surplus food onto the app so that someone living nearby can benefit from it. And people tell us that they they love picking up stuff um, via rolio because who doesn't like free food? <laughs> but also it's a great opportunity to get out of the house, to meet other people in your community, to explore your local neighborhood. And people tell us that through sharing on Olio, hmm. um, actually over 40% of our community say that they have made friends through the Olio app. And 66% of our community say that sharing has improved their mental well-being, their mental health. That's great. And seventy-five percent of people say that sharing has improved their financial well-being. So there's lots of reasons to share. It's not just about kind of saving the planet, mm. um, although that's a really important part of it. It's also about just being reconnecting with our humanity, really.
5: Mm. I mean, I mean, there are some really, really, you know, positives and some benefits, uh, you know, that you just mentioned there as well. How how can we? I mean, and it's not just it's not just food waste as well. It's, it's other yeah. items yeah. as well, isn't it? Um, how can we as communities ensure that uh, food is not wasted? Then, what, what can we sort of do to, to actually keep that in check?
9: Yeah. So I I, I sort of use a, um, a a model of the five S's. So for the first one it really starts at the beginning when you go and shop uh, for your mm. food um, and. The key thing here, it doesn't sound particularly fun, but it's a lot more fun than it sounds, um, is to write down a shopping list and, and plan out your meals for the week. That way you can be really, really clear that when you go into the shop, you're only going to buy exactly what you need and you won't get sort of tempted to buy more stuff. So shop with a plan is the first um, step. The second S is to store your food properly. So there are hundreds and hundreds of food storage tips and tricks that you can find on the internet um but some of my favorite ones are that onions and potatoes should never be stored together for example if you want to extend the lifespan of bananas just put um, a tinfoil hat on them or cling film wrap or beeswax wrap whatever you might have and that will kind of slow down um, the rate at which they ripen tomatoes are best kept out kept out of the fridge not in the fridge Hmm. herbs are best treated like flowers So there are a lot, and put in a jar of water. So there are lots and lots of um, really powerful tips and tricks that will make your food last a lot longer if you store them properly. The next S is to serve your food on, so basically to serve up smaller portion sizes. Mm. And the best way to do that, the simple hack there, is just to use smaller plates. It's very simple, but it's very, very effective. Use smaller plates. You will serve up less food and you'll waste less food. The fourth S is to save your leftovers. Um, so, you know, in our family, actually, some of our very, very best and favorite of meals have been this sort of random medley hodgepodge of food that you would never think would go together. Yeah. But actually, they taste so much better because they've been the food been sort of marinating in the fridge
3: mm. for
9: a couple of days. And then the final S um, is, is to share. To um, to share your spare with your local community. The moment you realise that you might not get round to eating something, take the ten seconds to uh, pop it on the app and give it away to someone living nearby who would love it.
5: Some uh, some some wonderful some wonderful advice uh, there as well, and I'm sure the you know the listeners who are who are actually listening and tuned in, they would have benefited and they will actually you now download the download the app and connect with the community uh, as well. Um, thank you so much for joining us Tessa it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and uh, oh, once again speaking to you uh, but uh, some great work that you guys are doing and uh, good luck and thank you so much
9: thank you so much have a great day
5: bye 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 so some uh, really really good uh, tips uh, uh, as well which were you know which were mentioned which were mentioned uh, over there as well very you know very very interesting how we can uh, you know different practical things that we can actually do to um uh you know to connect with our community but also share what we you know what we you know what we sort of don't want with our communities as well and that making sure that that doesn't actually go to waste definitely uh if i mean if we can do that um that can actually contribute a lot to the to this actually to this problem as well um We've got we've got a we've got a, uh, an audio clip that we that we want to listen to, um, and they'll talk about uh, about food banks, and let's listen to that one, and uh, we'll continue this after this as well.
14: Food insecurity, sometimes referred to as food poverty, is the state of being without reliable access to a sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. Humanity First UK has been playing its part in tackling food insecurity with its two food banks in Yorkshire and the Midlands regions. Across the United Kingdom, there are currently over 2,500 food banks serving thousands of families in need, even before the COVID pandemic. Over 4 million children were living in poverty, that's 9 in every classroom of 30. It is estimated that between 8 to 9% of the UK population is affected by food poverty. Food poverty can be triggered by a crisis in finances or personal circumstances. It can also be a long-term experience of not being able to access or have the facilities to prepare a healthy diet. For example, low wages that do not cover the cost of living or a disability that prevents an individual from accessing healthy food as needed. There are many examples of situations where people require help from a food bank, such as children unable to access free school meals during the holidays, families using food banks for the first time after a job loss, parents on low incomes or older people unable to prepare meals without support. Economic challenges with increased living costs, rising debt and financial problems for households have all exacerbated the situation. The huge rise in demand has put strains on food banks around the country, and the Humanity First teams have also witnessed major pressures on their services, especially over the winter period. Managers at both Humanity First food banks reported a massive increase in demand and expect the situation to sadly get worse over the coming year. They also reported that rising food and energy costs were having a serious effect on many of their clients and families that they support. Nadeem Ahmed from the Murfield Food Bank said, the situation is really difficult at the moment and our volunteers and donors are each trying their very best to serve as best as we can. Dr. Azhar from the Walsall Food Bank reported, we are expecting a significant increase in demand over the winter period. Allah.
4: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam.
2: The root of everything good is taqwa. In whatever action this root is upheld, that action will never be devoid or futile. It is necessary too that you be tried by being thrown into diverse griefs and distresses as those before you were tried. Therefore be forewarned lest you stumble when the time comes. The earth with everything in it can inflict no injury on you provided your contact with heaven is firm. Whenever an injury comes to you it will only come from your own hands. If all honour on this earth is lost to you God will give you an honour in heaven that shall never wane. Therefore do not leave him, whatever you may have to go through. You are bound to be persecuted in diverse ways, and many of your hopes will be denied to you, but in such cases you should not grieve, for the Lord your God shall take you through trials to test whether or not you remain firm. We live in the age of buttons where a single button can order us a takeaway
1: or signal the beginning of a nuclear war. At a time when the fabric of our society is ever-changing and ever-tearing, where nations are remodelled overnight and billions of dollars are lost in an instant, we are no doubt standing at a pit of uncertainty. With global suicide rates ever-increasing and the threat of a third world war ever-looming, our eyes strain for a solution to this epidemic of unrest. But one voice has spoken out in the darkness, addressing the global public and leaders of the world time and time again. A voice of reason, logic and the overwhelming power of truth. This voice, a beacon of light, exists in the visionary of this age. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the global spiritual leader and guide for tens of millions of Muslims around the world.
3: If we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, we, irrespective of our religion or beliefs, need to urgently change our priorities. Instead of being consumed by materialism, and a desire for power, every nation, whether rich or poor, must prioritise the peace and security of the entire world above all else. Instead of embarking on an arms race leading to death and destruction, we must join the race to save and protect humanity.
4: A new station. The voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture, understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Peace be upon you. Good morning and
5: welcome back to the show. Talking, we're talking about uh, the food waste, and uh, we spoke to two very interesting uh, um, uh, guests uh, before before the two before the eight o'clock news as well. Very very interesting, and how how important it is to, to make sure that we don't waste the food that we have as well. Um, let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us, Salvega uh, State, uh, I'm sure I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. He's the founder or, uh, and director of Mimica Touch and an inventor and an entrepreneur with an industrial design background as well. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Salvega.
13: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to join you.
5: Thank you so much for, for for being for being with us here today as well. To begin with, what is Mimica and how did it how did it start? What are your what are your aims and objectives as well?
13: Um so uh as you as you mentioned, uh we're working on reducing food waste. Mm-hmm. The the way that we are tackling this is is taking a closer look at the um, impact expiry dates have on food wastage. But Before I go into our solution, um, I thought it would be interesting to give some context um, because I didn't start thinking about food waste directly. Um, It it came to me in in a different way. So while I was um, uh, kind of working as a young industrial designer um, at a company, I was put on a project um, for uh, the Guide Dogs for the Blind Association, um, they're the charity that um, distribute uh, guide dogs to people with visual impairments. And um, as part of that work, we were investigating how technology can help with public transportation um, and that sort of thing. So I spent a lot of time sitting on trains and buses with our participants in the study, um, and I, there was a lot of time in between the study questions to ask be a bit nosy about um, how they... Uh, put enough milk in their tea, enough that they liked, how do they match their clothes in the morning? I just, anything I could think of during the six month study, I had the opportunity to find out the answer to. So one of the questions I ended up asking was, how do you know when your food actually spoils because dates are completely visual? And I yeah. found that um, it, they're not accessible and um, it was um, making people buy longer life foods mm. um, to to reduce that risk, but it was having other negative health consequences because of the processed food. So I went back to my final year and decided to investigate this, but really um, quickly realized how much expiry dates are linked to um, wastage. So about 70% 70 of the food that we throw away in the UK is still perfectly Edible. and you know when so many people are going without it just feels criminal to me that that is the case and the reason for this is because expiry dates are set at the worst case scenario um, uh, to protect consumers but the worst case scenario happens only very rarely and so what, we, um, we, what we've developed is a, a label that changes from smooth to bumpy um, when the food should no longer be consumed Based on actual temperature conditions that that particular package has been through. So, if you store it well, you'll be rewarded by it showing that you can use it for for more time. And in that way, kind of empowering everyone to take that kind of um, knowledge into their hands about whether something is fresh or not.
5: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot, of, as you know, as you mentioned as well, a lot of the times when the problem occurs as well is that when there's a best before date and then people don't realise. Uh, and then they they just throw whatever it is away without realizing that it's actually perfectly edible you can actually you can actually consume it um but just because of that best before date they they think it's uh, they think it's the expiry date um and these it's no longer a, able to have um That's right wh-, wh why is perfectly edible food often thrown away it's just it, it, this is one of the things as well but is there anything else or anything that you'd like to elaborate on
13: um, I mean, there's many reasons why it's thrown so away. We have very high cosmetic standards within um, the food industry, such as bananas can't be too straight and um, things need to be a certain size and mm. the appearance of food is very important, which, of course, is rubbish compared to you know the taste of it and the nutrition is, is really the important thing. Yeah. So I think that's one thing. Um, uh, and you know food waste is happening not just in your compost bin, it's happening on an industrial scale, mm. often before it even reaches our homes. um and that's on the um, farming side and but also in supermarkets. and um it's actually costing supermarkets a lot of money for money uh, for products that they're throwing away without being sold. And um I think it's important to that we as a company looked at the commercial case for our technology because um, we can actually help um, supermarkets sell actually what's on the shelf if they're able to hold it on the shelf one or two days more. Um, so yeah, going back to your question, um, it, it's really, miss- it's some- sometimes it's misinformation about the difference between a use by date, which is a safety limit, and a best before date, which is only quality and it's perfectly safe to consume afterwards. And we can see more yeah. products going to best before uh, dates Um, milk being something that was in the headlines recently and and we think that's a really positive change because if milk has been pasteurized it really doesn't hold too much of a risk um, even if it spoils Um, but um, I think that's where our technology can step in and give that peace of mind depending on how you've stored it to know whether it's still going to be um, good to consume in terms of quality and and Mm. texture and all of that thing all of
6: those things
5: yeah yeah I mean definitely definitely um what would you what would you do what would you tell our listeners uh, to sort of encourage them how to make sure that food is not wasted? What can we do?
13: Um I would uh, encourage you to um, plan meals. Um I think we had some really good tips earlier but I think planning your meals is one of the top ways you can you can do that not to overshop.
6: Yeah.
13: Um to try to use products that are at the moment we are relying on expiry dates but try to um plan a meal based around the thing that's going to be spoiling quickest in your fridge. And a, a trick that I, I would like to suggest is having maybe a uh, a container in the fridge where you can put products that are close to their use by date mm. um, in the, in then, then you're made aware of what needs to be used first. Um, I, I think that that's a, a really like cheap and free thing that everyone can be doing. Um, but also, kind of relying on your senses a little bit and and not having blind faith in the date is something I'd encourage people to do. Um, so, as far as kind of our remit is concerned, those are those are the main tips I would give.
5: Some some wonderful some wonderful advice, some good tips, as well uh, for for our listeners. So Vega, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and uh, good luck with uh, your projects uh, as well. Thank you so much once again.
13: Thank you very much.
5: Bye bye. So uh, three three guests uh, that we spoke to uh, about this uh, about this topic and uh, very very interesting uh, you know getting their getting their insight as well and uh, some good tips that they that they left and they shared with us mm. as well quite practical uh, tips as well um, and all of these things are are very very much important um, it's not just something that it's not just uh, you know be sometimes we we talk about this and then we we, we just go on move on to the next mm. topic and we talk about other things but this is something which is quite practical and something which small things we can do it can make a very very big difference how many times do we you know do we look at the best before mm. day and then we just throw it away without even smelling it or tasting it or you know just trying it out but then we just we you know we just throw it away oh it's Ost, oh, the it's gone. One day, one day mm. after the 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 best before, let's throw it away. Even when something is, is expired, um, you know the the date is expired. Sometimes you can still, you know, uh, maybe one or two days you can still have it after that as well. Uh, for some, for some pro, uh, for some uh, products, obviously not for everything, but uh, still, if we can prevent this, we should do so as much
8: as possible. You know, Islam being such a <coughs> such a comprehensive uh, religion mm. which, uh, you know, covers everything. Yeah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him came like 1400 years ago and yeah. he taught us that uh, in the Holy Quran it says Kulu wa wala tusrifu Eat and drink, but do not exceed its bounds. So uh, We always, uh, you know, speak about this how Islam teaches moderation and moderation is key to almost everything in life hmm. so, so just eat and drink what you need is necessary to survive not only will that be beneficial for your health hmm. but also beneficial for your for your mind and also beneficial for the for the world beneficial for the community around you hmm. if you do have food in surplus as we spoke to the guest earlier you can join the olio app and you know give it back to the community yeah. and like she rightly said that you know uh, the people uh, the feedback they received was that you know their mental health had improved, their financial well-being yeah. had had improved, just like that. You know, even um, uh, the His Holiness, the current Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, yes, the fifth uh, successor of uh, the Promised Messiah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, states in uh, you know countless Friday sermons that uh, those members of our community around the world who Maybe struggling to, you know, even heat their homes, or you know, struggling to put food on their plate. They still make financial sacrifice, and after a while, they see the they reap what they have sown, right? Mm. And uh, they like all their troubles are essentially gone mm. just because from a small financial sacrifice. Literally. So it's not just you know money. You can also donate food, which is essential to human life.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Very well uh, put there as well. Um, You know, it's it it is something that we can uh, we can practically do practically do in in our own bubbles, in our own circles. Mm. (coughs) Something that if we even if we look at you know our situations at home, our conditions at home, if we if we actually take this into consideration, we can make a big difference. And if everyone is doing this, we contribute a lot to this uh, to this uh, to this problem as well um uh, uh let's uh, you know we're going to be moving on to we're going to be moving on to our next uh, our next topic uh before that we'll we'll go into a very short break a very short break and then right after that we'll get back into the 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 the, the second segment
6: <coughs> Allah. Allah.
4: listening to The Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
1: We live in the age of buttons, where a single button can order us a takeaway or signal the beginning of a nuclear war. At a time when the fabric of our society is ever-changing and ever-tearing, where nations are remodeled overnight, and billions of dollars are lost in an instant, we are no doubt standing at a pit of uncertainty. With global suicide rates ever increasing and the threat of a third world war ever looming, our eyes strain for a solution to this epidemic of unrest. But one voice has spoken out in the darkness, addressing the global public and leaders of the world time and time again. A voice of reason, logic, and the overwhelming power of truth. This voice, a beacon of light, exists in the visionary of this age. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masrud Ahmad, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the global spiritual leader and guide for tens of millions of Muslims around the
3: world. If we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, We, irrespective of our religion or beliefs, need to urgently change our priorities. Instead of being consumed by materialism and a desire for power, every nation, whether rich or poor, must prioritize the peace and security of the entire world above all else. Instead of embarking on an arms race, leading to death and destruction. We must join the race to save and protect humanity.
0: Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. Why is gambling prohibited in Islam? Material gain and the accumulation of a large amount of wealth is not something that Islam encourages. Having money should not be a purpose it should rather be treated as a means to be used to achieve higher spiritual objectives. Gambling makes one obsessed with money and encourages greed so that one becomes engrossed within his constant desire to increase his wealth, which goes against the spirit of Islam.
3: I firmly believe that if we truly wish to protect our world and to ensure we leave behind a legacy of uh, opportunity. For those who follow us, it is essential that every effort is made to raise the standards of the developing world. Poor nations must not be looked down upon. Rather, we should consider them as part of our family, our brothers and sisters.
11: أشهد أن
4: Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, you're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day a new station the voice of islam with live discussions religion and culture understand the true teachings of islam with the voice of islam
5: peace and blessings of allah be upon you all welcome back to the breakfast show here on the voice of islam radio um, this uh, this segment we're going to be talking about uh, how getting out of your comfort zone can help spread positivity. A very interesting topic. Uh, a very interesting topic. Um, the effects of uh, of COVID nineteen pandemic uh, led to many people um, to focus on the pursuit of their mental health and also their well being. How they can uh, how they can make sure that that is. In check and how how they can make sure that this you know it's not it's not declining a study was conducted looking at how um people who choose to treat themselves by spending time money or other um, in pursuit of their happiness compared to those who treated uh, who treated others and um, in both stances people did you know people did simple low-cost um, to no cost acts daily and one study found that for those people who didn't regularly carry out actions outside of their normal routine their their kind behaviors did not affect their overall mental well-being now somebody asked uh, asked His Holiness uh, about this as well we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that uh, a little bit later on and um, It's uh, as I mentioned. It is uh, it is an interesting show that uh, it is an interesting topic uh, about this as well, and how we can sort of uh, get out of our comfort zones and do that little extra bit. Even our first topic, when we spoke about how we can uh, manage food waste, sometimes that is getting out of our comfort zones as well. Sometimes we're so um, we're so used to um, consuming a particular type of food, but getting out of our comfort zone in that sense. Can also do a little bit as well. But uh, talking about this, how it can affect our well-being, um, different things uh, which we can do to to actually get out of our comfort zone um, can spread positivity as well. Let's speak to our guest, uh, Georgina Halabi, who is a professor, certified coach, coach with over 25 years of senior roles with business and marketing. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good
15: morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
5: Thank you so much uh, for being with us this morning. Why why, why are humans sometimes hesitant to, to, to new challenges just by knowing that it, it would actually lead to growth and, and, and development and betterment, actually?
15: That's a great question. And I think, you know, it, it's different for everyone, but you know, based on my own awareness of why I'm hesitant to new challenges, and guessing it's quite similar for a lot of other people, the first thought that comes to mind is, oh, this is going to take a lot of effort. Hmm. Do I have the energy to do it? So it's all about conserving energy. And then the other thing is this, it's just safer and easier to stay in our comfort zone. So why would we, we therefore push ourselves out of that? And if you look at why, you know, why we tend to sit in our comfort zone and there's actually a, an explanation uh, with this in terms of how our brain works so um most of our thinking about staying safe comes from the back of our brain it's co- sometimes referred to as our lizard brain and that's all about keeping us safe it's all about having fears so that we don't push ourselves out of our comfort zone so we do stay safe um, it's a part of our brain that is responsible for our survival um, and then when we're about 12 years old our, our the prefrontal cortex comes online that's the part of our brain that sits just behind our temple and that's the part that has awareness Uh, it has perspective it's all about creativity and resourcefulness and growth Um, and that doesn't stop growing until we're about 21 years old and when we're in that space we're able to almost witness ourselves um, and look at ourselves and go okay is this is this constructive behavior staying safe you know taking it easy do i want to push myself and so when we start to be able to activate this, this prefrontal cortex, we're able to push ourselves into our growth zone a lot more. And that takes exercise, you know, and awareness. The first point of, you know, um, action is taking awareness. It's like going to the gym. Once you start going to the gym, it's easier to keep going. In the same way, once we start pushing ourselves, we start activating our prefrontal cortex, we start becoming aware of ourselves and and being able to push ourselves out of the growth zone it becomes addictive we want to do it we keep on doing it it's like a a muscle it's like mental fitness if you like
6: yeah
5: yeah so how can we how how can we go out of our way to actually help others and and, and show kindness to others as well and sometimes actually takes that little bit to 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 get out of our comfort zone as well isn't it
15: yeah, well, there's there's three ways that we can do anything in the world, really, through our three gateways. Hmm. So the first one is through our thoughts, through our words, or through our actions. And I would say, you know, we don't even need to go out of our way. It doesn't need to be anything huge, but it does take a shift in the way that we think about it, right? So hmm. it's a change in our habitual patterns so that we're able to be conscious about it. So if we were to, to, to help others, um, with kindness and positivity through our thoughts for example this could be something as simple as you know sending loving wishes to others or listening deeply listening to other people which i think is one of the most kindest and positive things that you can do hmm. you know through our words kind words affirming words or action you know this could be something like if you see somebody homeless go out and help them um there is suffering everywhere Some of it is very, very clear to see. Some of it is very, very silent. So, you know, no need to go out of your way, but it's really about consciously looking all around you and being aware of all of that suffering and taking that effort to go and do something about it, even if it's through thoughts, actions, or your words.
6: Yeah,
5: definitely, definitely. And uh, just leading on from that as well, what are the benefits and the positives of, uh, of going out or getting out of our comfort zone?
15: Well, you know, when you're out of your comfort zone, when you're in your discomfort zone, then you're in your growth zone. And I kind of think there's so many different positives of doing this. So first of all, you're focusing on others and not yourself. It gets you out of your own head, which is a wonderfully powerful thing to do. And you're actually seeing yourself being kind. That is very, very affirming because you're thinking, "Well, I'm a kind person. I'm a good person." That's very nurturing to the soul. And the more that we do it, the more, um, the more we believe we're kind people, the more we're likely to keep on doing it to to create that vision of ourselves. And whenever we do acts of kindness or positivity for others, it attracts it back. We, We power, we sow very powerful seeds, and we set an example for others to follow. I'm a great believer that, you know, your children don't listen to you, but they do what you do. And if they see you modeling kindness and consideration and generosity, they will make that qualities in their own life. So it it plants very powerful seeds, not just for yourself, the people who witness it, but for the people who are receiving that kindness, because they're feeling loved and and, um, valued too. And then the final thing is that if we all, you know, everybody on this planet, help each other and come from that place of love, Hmm. rather than that place of it's easier to just self-serve and to stay quiet and small, then the world will be a very different place. We will be living in an abundance of generosity as opposed to sort of fear and scarcity. So it's a win-win-win-win situation.
5: And what sort of of activities can we do if if we want to try out something new and uh, what are things that we should be doing more of as well in the first place
15: I would say you know look inwards and see what feels new (laughs) and uncomfortable for you you know it it could be something small for one person and something huge for somebody else depending on their appetite for pushing themselves so i would say feel into it and just go okay what feels like a bit of a stretch for me is it going out and saying a kind word to somebody when i would normally just stay quiet and and you know i tend to be quite shy or would it be something huge like if i see somebody who is is in distress actually going up and, and standing for them or is it volunteering at a soup kitchen? You've got to feel what it feels like to you to to get out of your own comfort zone, and you can either do that in small steps, or you can just go. I'm just going to do this and do something large. But it really depends on on your personal appetite. And um, there are so many different ways that you can help. Um, start by noticing, you know, start by noticing and and looking around you, noticing all about suffering. Who can I help? How can I help? And taking steps. Um, like that or it could be habits you can create habits of, of serving others that could be putting something in the diary where you put aside an hour to be with somebody it could be volunteering in an old people's home or a soup kitchen or anything like that um, look into your heart and see what what feels comfortable but a stretch enough for you and and and, and helping people in a way that resonates with you and what's
9: important for you
5: absolutely absolutely some great uh, tips uh, and words of uh, advice there, Georgina. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you once again.
15: Thank you for having me.
5: Bye. Bye-bye. That was Georgina Halabi and giving us some good uh, tips and words uh, of advice as well, how we can practically you know, get out of our comfort zone and uh, stay positive. And it will be good for, it will be beneficial for our well-being, um, you know, positive energy as well as, uh, as just living living a good, healthy lifestyle as well. Um, as I mentioned before, his holy, somebody asked His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyyam community, uh, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper about uh, about advice on dealing with children who suffer from mental illness issues. And His Holiness actually stated that first, you need to find out the underlying cause for you know for their mental for their mental health problems. And those suffering should be taken to a psychiatrist, by their relatives, and they should be treated properly, and full efforts should be made to rid them of their pain as well. Obviously, you know, if you if you have a broken limb, if you have a broken bone, right, you go to you go to the doctor and and and, and you try to fix the problem. Um, similarly, if you have any sort of mental health uh, issues or if you have some problems, you need to try and find out the underlying issues. You need to find the underlying causes. What is actually causing it in the first place? Uh, Where is actually driving from? where it's actually you know how it's affecting the whole body as well and how it's affecting that person as a whole and then we can once we find out the the actual problem or the cause then it's much easier to to come up with a solution to come up with a cure for that as well his holiness then says that furthermore see what time of the day they suffer that they are suffering in the most uh, the most acute whatever they're suffering whatever time of the day that they are suffering Check out that time, make, you know make a, see if there's some sort of pattern that's going on or a routine. And then His Holiness said that if it is in the morning at 10 or 11, they should go for a walk or get some fresh air. Secondly, secondly, they should pay they should pray to Allah the Almighty and they should try to develop their willpower and determination. They should pray that Allah the Almighty brings them out of this phase. So medical care. Should be adopted, and they should also pray. Mental health issues such as depression are an illness like any other, so they should be diagnosed and treated properly. No one should, t- should no one should make fun of those suffering or take it lightly. Seek repentance from Allah, and do your five daily prayers. Then Allah removes those difficulties as well. Very very practical um, uh, words of advice there from His Holiness as well. You know it's not just about it's not just about um sometimes you know people uh, people say that uh, people ask for solutions to to their problems and they say all you need to do is pray you know all you need to do is pray i mean definitely pray prayer is the one way is is our best weapon right mm. prayer is our best weapon but you know the holy prophet peace and the blessings of allah be upon him has also said that you should tie your camel first mm. and then put your trust in god so you should also make practical practical things as well. You should also do practical things. You should also take the take the um, you know t- take different sorts of uh, medication. You should uh, try different steps. See psychiatrists. See doctors. See specialists. If they are suffering from any sort of uh, you know illness or disease or or difficulty. if they're going through a difficult time. Um, uh, we will uh, you know you need to you need to do that as well. Because you know the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has said that you know if you if you just say that I am going to pray and do nothing else, that's actually in 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 some form or another you're actually giving putting a challenge to God, you're actually testing God Almighty, and God Almighty does not uh you know he he he's not he's not bound to fulfill your desires he's not bound to fulfill your Sort of, uh, you know, if you if trying to test God, He's not bound to answer your prayers in this uh, in this sense as well. What He says, what Allah the Almighty says, is that you should make good use of the things which have been provided to you, such as medication. If it's food that you need to consume, you should need to have food. If you you know you need to do practical things uh, as well, and also pray to God Almighty. Mm. So all of these things go hand in hand. We've got uh, an audio clip of His Holiness who will tell us uh, how we can uh, be happy and content with our lives as so well. Let's listen to that
3: uh, right now.
6: As-salamu alaykum beloved Hazur.
3: Wa alaikum salam.
6: My question is, how can we be happier? How old are you? Nine.
3: Nine. should always be contented. Always think that Allah has blessed you with so many things. Allah Ta'ala has given you good health, has given you good physique, has given you beautiful face, your eyesight is good, Allah Ta'ala has given you ears with which you can hear everything. Allah Ta'ala has given you mouth and tongue with which you can speak good things and thank Allah Ta'ala all the time and He has provided you all the facilities. He has given you the opportunity to go to school and uh, educate yourself. He has given you good parents and uh, good siblings. Then it makes you happy. Do you have brothers and sisters?
6: Yeah. I have a, I have two younger brothers.
3: Achha. Even if they do not behave well with you, even then, always be happy. And thank Allah Ta'ala that has given you so many things. You see, there are quite a number of people in this world. Even their basic rights are being deprived. They do not get enough food to survive. They do not have the opportunity to go to school. Sometime, they drink dirty pond water, whereas you are drinking bottled water or uh, clean water from your tap. So, if you think that how Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with so many things, so will be happy. And if you are thankful to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will always keep you happy. Okay? Always see those people who are deprived of all these facilities, whereas you have got all these things. You see, this is why there's a tradition of the Holy Prophet he said that when it's a matter of religion, of piety, of good things, then always see those people who are better than you. When it's a matter of worldly things, then always see those who are below you, those who have less facilities than you, then it will make you thankful to Allah Ta'ala and you will be happy.
4: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
8: What is peace? Is it the simplicities in life or something exquisite? To some it is vague, to some explicit. To wake in a world wishing peace would just visit. A deafening society wishing someone would just... listen?
3: Is it higher power that will bring this world new navigation? Or is it acts of kindness that will refresh our imagination? I see powerless
4: minds in search for reconciliation, who vote for justified masterminds who need no persuasion.
2: Freedom of speech may be a thing of the past.
8: Society pressures have us thinking...
2: Why we even ask...
1: We've been silenced because of the colour of our skin. We've begun to believe that believing in God is a sin.
10: What is peace? We ask today.
4: A way of life.
10: A feeling.
4: Long way away.
10: Who have we wronged to deserve this rubble? Who did we question? Who gave us this trouble?
1: We have no shelter, we have no peace. With the one thing we had, it brought us to streets.
10: Caught in selfish acts, money, power and greed. Who needs food when we no longer have children to feed? Where is the justice? Where is our say?
6: Peace is what we ask for, yet there is more blood to pay.
2: A new term in power. A video game for the fearless kind. A new six-figure salary who has a new house in mind
10: we are asked today what is that you preach please look in our eyes no need to question beliefs
8: you fear one religious mind could change the world
10: fearless in thinking one bomb and problem solved please justify the injustice stand up from your seat We are not asking for much, we just ask justice for peace.
11: شهاد وال...
4: Listening to the Voice
6: of Islam Radio,
4: you're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day peace
5: be upon you and a good morning welcome back to the breakfast show here on the voice of islam radio um this part of the show is talking about languages and vocabulary and how we can or different things that we can do to improve our vocabulary and one of the things is by exposing ourselves to foreign accents very interesting um, let's speak to let's speak to our our guest who is on the line with us Dr. Adriana uh, Nulikuba, who is who studied German linguistics Spanish and English uh, philology at the Humboldt U- uh, University of Berlin uh, peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the show
16: good morning thank you very much for having me
5: thank you so much for joining us and to begin with, could you briefly describe your area of, uh, of research and uh, expertise?
16: Sure. Um, so I am a psycholinguist. I'm a linguist by training. Mm-hmm. And in my research, I examine a broad range of topics, including mm-hmm. the one you mentioned. So I uh, study accent accommodation and processing uh, variability in spoken language. Mm-hmm. And I'm also interested in how we perceive and Evaluate and categorize others based on their foreign accent or regional accent, and what social consequences emerged from such categorizations.
5: Hmm. Interesting, very interesting. But what what sort of inspired your research, uh, your recent research paper regarding exposure to foreign accents?
16: Yeah, um, we were inspired by uh, previous studies and, uh, of course, uh, our own kids who uh, play with other kids uh, who uh, speak uh, regional varieties and foreign accents. And um, previous studies on word learning actually usually compare monolinguals with bilinguals. And uh, these studies often show a bilingual advantage for learning new words. However, most of these studies rely on an idealized speaker. So that means you either fit one category, so you are monolingual, or you fit the other category, you are bilingual. Mm. And what we wanted to know is um, how we can explore measures of language experience that are less categorical by assessing exposure to regional and non-native accents, foreign accents. So more specifically, we wanted to know whether children who grow up hearing different accents and languages or dialects Benefit from this experience when learning new words from peers who also speak diverse accents. Mm-hmm. So this was the inspiration.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Um, c- c- could you explain any any sort of predictions uh, you had for uh, the results of your research?
16: Um, sure. So uh, uh, we wanted to know. Um, what the potential benefits of multi-accented exposure are or whether there are even potential drawbacks when you listen to many foreigners. And so we predicted that if multi-accented exposure helps generalize to unfamiliar accents, then children with more exposure should actually learn words better than children with less exposure. Hmm. And um, so we also predicted that children who grow up hearing more than just the local language would very likely outperform children growing up with one language, variety only. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. Now, so in, to what extent do you think uh, exposure to foreign accents helps, helps grow, grow sort of, you know, different vocabulary and mm-hmm. a wider range of vocabulary? What, I mean, in other words, what was your, what was your conclusion?
16: Yeah, um, um, so based on the study that we run, so we we tested 88 uh, kids in our study, Mm. uh, we can basically uh, say that if elementary school children are accustomed to many regional and foreign accents, because this is what they uh, experience uh, in the environment, then it is easier for them to learn new words from other children, who speak with an unfamiliar accent. Mm. This could be a regional accent, this could be a foreign accent. Uh, However, there is no causal relationship between vocabulary growth and uh, being exposed to foreign accents in general. So what our study suggests is that if you're exposed to variability, then this exposure leads to better generalization when we are exposed to new accents. And that's basically all what this study um, says. I think obviously we would need more research uh, to continue on uh, uh, exploring these questions.
5: Hmm. Interesting. Now, do, do you think that those children who are bilingual, uh, you know, speak different languages, uh, maybe a different language at home and uh, obviously English in schools, are they, do you think they can uh, sort of pick up easier uh, or is it more difficult for them to actually learn languages as well? Because sometimes they are speaking at home uh, in a different language, uh, you know, with their parents or their siblings, but then in school they are speaking in a different language. Or is it, is it, is it good for their, for their brain development? Was it difficult for them? That's the question.
16: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Actually, this is not what we uh, directly tested, or mm-hmm. we didn't test brain development. Yeah. Um, but clearly, if you are exposed to different languages, uh, most studies show that that comes with many benefits, uh, we actually didn't find an effect of bilingualism on word learning. It was uh, really the exposure to uh, different accents that helped kids uh, learning new words or performing in the task that we uh, that we gave them, mm. uh, which makes sense because they were exposed to different accents, right? And so those kids who have exposure to different foreign accents are also more likely to be bilingual kids. So we would need to test many more kids. Uh, we only had 88 mm. um, um, to actually confirm this. But many studies show that being bilingual uh, is actually uh, uh, it's good for you. But in our study, um, the question was slightly different. So we wanted to know whether um, when you are exposed to different accents, whether uh, experience with other accents helps in this situation. Mm-hmm. And it does. And definitely being bilingual was not an harming factor. It was uh, no huge benefit in this specific study, but it was also no disadvantage. And That's the opposite <laughs>
5: yeah. and s- sometimes we we see that uh, different languages, you know especially those languages which are spoken in those countries which are in close proximity to each other. you, you saw European languages, French, German. Uh, sort of Spanish, uh, there's a sort of linked as well, isn't it? And yeah. there are some words which are you know which are commonly used, and they're, they're pretty much the same um, yep. in in, the, in these languages. So when you when you were doing this um, you know this this research as well and this experiment uh, of you know exposure to foreign accents, is this more significant in children or adults? And are, are there any other? sort of hypotheses you would like to test or be, you know, test-related to this paper?
16: Oh, yeah, that's um, that's a really great question. So uh, um, what we already know uh, from previous studies is that uh, child's and adult's accent processing abilities are qualitatively relatively similar. However, hmm. it is the efficiency and generalizability of... Um, adaptation and learning in these uh, um, heterogeneous input conditions, um, that uh, varies and depends on many factors. So, for example, um, Mm. children are usually less efficient than adults because their vocabularies are comparatively smaller in size. and in addition, the processing efficiency depends on many further factors, and you are totally right uh, pointing out the similarity between uh, different accents and languages. And so this is actually one crucial factor um, that is being uh, uh, examined in the research. So how different the unfamiliar accent is from the adult's or child's own accent or oh. language. That is a, um, a, a very important factor. And so Obviously, this is one topic uh, we would like to explore further. Um, So a question like uh, how do similarities uh, between accents or languages or varieties, dialects impact word learning? And uh, do children who are exposed to many but similar accents show different learning trajector- trajectories than those children who are exposed to many but very dissimilar accents or dissimilar languages. Um, so these are questions that are uh, um, very interesting and important to examine further, but I have no answers to these questions as yet.
5: Uh, I mean, it does, it does sound very interesting as well. <laughs> I would like to you know, know, know the research, uh, the, the findings of this uh, research as well um is is there is there uh, any research which has done where um sort of uh, different languages when people speak children or adults when they speak different languages that can actually affect that their characteristics or their their sort of mood or the the way you know the way that they behave um mm-hmm. is that is that something which which is which is conducted any research is conducted with that you know so sometimes you know, but people speak one language and they have a different personality and then they speak a different language, uh, but their personality changes uh, a little bit. Is there something? Is thats that... Is that something which is
16: yeah that's uh, that's a great question and uh, um, uh, I know that there is research uh, looking into these questions I personally have not uh, done uh, research in this area mm-hmm. uh, but I know from many friends and you know uh, who actually fit uh, exactly this uh, lay notion of uh, how, what it means to speak different languages that are of course uh, culturally sometimes specific right and bound and therefore uh, Um, They experience themselves as uh, behaving differently depending on what culture um, they are affiliated with that is somehow connected to the language that you use. And, of of course, also depending on the phonology of the language, you uh, might perceive yourself as sounding differently and even other people might report to you, oh, when you speak this language, uh, you somehow sound happier, you sound uh, more quiet, you sound... uh, um, you know, whatever different. I mean, different, different <laughs> from uh, from the other language, exactly. uh, or you speak slower, and uh, yeah. So uh, this is just uh, um, the subjective perception we have when people behave uh, and communicate in different languages. Mm. Even more when those two languages are totally dissimilar, yeah. right? And they differ in uh, um, in the phonology, in the intonation patterns, in the melody.
6: Yeah. No, so that's
16: totally exciting, but I haven't done uh, research on that uh, uh, on that question. But there is some research on that. Very,
5: very interesting. Very interesting, um, Dr. Adriana. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us uh, this uh, this morning. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And thank uh, you so much, so much for you, for your expertise uh, as well, Guten Morgen and uh, Dankeschön. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank, <laughs> you.
16: thank you. Dankeschön. <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day.
12: Bye bye.
5: You too. Bye bye that was uh, Dr Adriana who's telling us a uh, little bit more about uh, these you know languages as well and how um, you know they are linked and how exposing ourselves to different accents it, it can actually improve our vocabulary uh, as well you know something which is quite interesting the 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 Promised Messiah upon whom be peace the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he has written over 80 books Right, in 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 three different languages hmm. uh, in urdu the vast majority of his books are in urdu but he has written in persian hmm. as well as arabic now one particular <coughs> book which he has written is minanur rahman the favors of the gracious god hmm. and in that he has written that uh, the 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 arabic language is the mother of all tongues hmm. <coughs> and he has proven that with various different things. it's very it's a very <coughs> interesting book um and what he actually uh, proves over there is that Arabic is the mother of all tongues and mm. all the other languages have an offshoot or branches of that uh, of of that language as well hmm. so it is very it is very interesting for for anyone who's interested and wants to actually um get some more uh, insight in regards to that hmm. it's uh we've got a very very brief audio clip let's uh, let's listen uh, to that right now.
2: By the grace of Allah the Almighty, Jamia Ahmadiyya Bangladesh held its fourth special language learning course from 1st December to 10th December 2021. This special course was dedicated to those who wanted to get admitted in Jamia in the future. Besides, students from grade 9 to grade 10 also got the opportunity to participate in this 10 days long course.
5: That was our show for this morning. Uh, Very uh, jam-packed and very interesting, very insightful um, uh, breakfast show for you this morning. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of our guests uh, as well who took time out and, uh, and uh, spoke to us as well very, very eloquently, some good advice that they left with us as well, very practical advice that they left with us. Thank you to, uh, to all of our uh, pro- producers, researchers, and of course the technical uh, support as well. Always a pleasure to, to, to present with you, uh, Brother Atar. Until next time, assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.